Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of November 20th through November 22nd, as well as the Thanksgiving weekend of November 26th through November 29th, 2020. My name's Paulo, and I'm your host. So I hope everyone had a great and safe Thanksgiving holiday. As you may have noticed, I missed last Tuesday's episode, uh, mostly due to needing to get a lot of non-podcast work done in the half week before the holiday. And then by the time I was done cooking my Thanksgiving meal and everything like that, it was already the weekend at, at that point. And so I figured, you know, might as well take the week off, enjoy myself, and then I'll just come back this week to cover two weekends in one. So um, with that, that's a lot to cover. So let's strap in. So the big news I, of course, missed last week, despite pushing my show out, uh, you know, a day to try to catch it, and then the news dropping, you know, the morning I released my episode, uh, is that Warner Brothers bit the bullet and is putting Wonder Woman 1984 direct to streaming. Kind of. Uh, So on Wednesday the 18th, Warner Brothers announced that the much-delayed Wonder Woman sequel will be having a mixed theatrical and streaming day-and-date release on HBO Max, uh, their streaming platform. The specific details are as follows. So on December 16th through the 18th, Wonder Woman will be premiering theatrically in various international markets where, of course, HBO Max is not available. Uh, Presumably, this will be in markets where there are no lockdowns in place um, to keep movie theaters closed. Um, Of note, China is confirmed for December 18th release. Then, a week later, on December 25th, Christmas Day, Wonder Woman 1984 will be available in the U.S. and various other countries, uh, you know, in theaters, wherever they are open, as well as on HBO Max. Notably, compared to the Mulan premiere earlier this fall, where the situation was that users needed to pay an additional rental fee on top of their monthly subscription fee, Wonder Woman 1984 will be free for HBO Max subscribers, similar to Hamilton or the upcoming Soul also on Christmas Day on Disney+. And so, for the first 30 days, presumably through January 24th, 2021, uh, Wonder Woman 1984 will be available in both outlets, with theaters getting a pretty sweet ref share split according to sources. Uh, reportedly, exhibitors are getting 55-60% to 60% of ticket grosses, compared to the usual situation where they're only making you know, 44-45% to 45% of total grosses. 40-45% uh, to 45% of total grosses, um, and, the st- and the studio gets to keep the lion's share of ticket gross. So, this must be something that Warner Brothers gave up for the studios to get them on board with this plan. So then, for the 30 days after January 24th, so from February, so from January 24th to uh, February 23rd, Wonder Woman 1984 will be pulled from HBO Max and be available in theatrical uh, you know, locations only. This presumably is a way to really push users to sign up for HBO Max in the first month period, as well as you know something that the the studios, the theaters probably demanded from eight, um, from Warner Brothers in order to make the deal any sort of viable, and you know that they wanted at least some form of exclusivity, even if it was the even if it wasn't you know the first thirty days. And then following this, uh, so this is the 30 days plus another 30 days. So on February 24th, uh, the 61st day, Wonder Woman 1984 will be made available on traditional PVOD rental services such as Fandango, Amazon, iTunes, etc. Now, this is a major shift and arguably the largest blockbuster film to date to go directly to streaming. Uh, Disney's Mulan had a similar budget of about $200 million, but it was not tied to a larger franchise such as the DC Extended Universe, which Wonder Woman 1984, which I'm saying that, that name a lot, uh, the title a lot, uh, is of course part of. 
And so if it fails, if this experiment fails for 184, it could have ripple effects for the larger uh, extended universe. Now, this move, right, analyzing this move, this actually kind of was somewhat forecasted. Uh, this plays into the past rumors we had covered in you know the past couple of weeks. Uh, there was a rumor that there would be a big movie coming to HBO Max on Christmas Day. Um, I can hardly imagine you know that it, that uh, Warner Brothers would try to take away attention from War- from Wonder Woman by putting another film out on HBO Max the same day. So this is probably the film people were talking about. And then, of course, there was the trend that AT&T and Warner Brothers has been signaling that they're you know, putting HBO Max uh, as, as the priority for the company. And there was even you know, definitely talk that uh, AT&T was pushing for Warner Brothers to put uh, Wonder Woman on HBO Max, you know, have a streaming uh, VOD release. You know, I also suspect that the Amazon Fire TV deal that we saw a couple of weeks ago uh, that Warner Brothers was able to finally get after you know not getting HBO Max on that platform uh, initially um, likely hinged on you know them probably telling Amazon that hey, Am- uh, Wonder Woman's coming to HBO Max. You don't want to be missing out on people using your your TV in order to watch it. So that might have been it. And you know, now there are rumors that you know Roku is probably going to make a deal at some point uh, in the future. I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. Now I am a little bit intrigued that you know they are still extending you know, that that quasi exclusivity, but like I said, I think that's probably uh, the case that that theaters needed that in order uh, or demanded that in order for the deal to go through. Now, of course, you know the other difference between HBO Max and Disney Plus is that Disney Plus, uh, you know, in in their similar you know day and date release situation, kind of like they did with Mulan, is that Disney Plus is available in many regions across the globe. Uh, Mulan only had a theatrical release in regions where. Uh, Disney was Plus was not available, which you know at this point is like a minority of the world, aside from China, of course. Uh, HBO Max, however, is U.S. only, as I noted, and that probably tempered Warner's Brothers' decision to you know they were, they gave some leverage back to the exhibition industry as a whole, you know, because they needed the partnerships in the international markets to try to help with Wonder Woman's uh, box office numbers there. I'm curious to see, you know, if this will get Regal to come back uh, to to open up in time for this. Um, I, I kind of doubt it, but, you know, it's it's fun to think about. Um, apparently, AMC, uh, according to the CEO, is on board with this. Um, you know, even if their deal to sort of theatrical windows only applies to Universal as of right now, um, they seem to be game for it. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Cinemark also was 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 gung-ho for this as well. Now, this is a little bit longer than the AMC and Cinemark Universal deals with Universal, which was a 17-day theatrical window. Um, and, you know, in fact, the, the, the theater still, if, if you consider the period where it's on HBO Max and streaming, or HBO Max and theaters, and then in theaters only, that's 60 days, which is still a lot longer than the 17-day window, even if the first 30 days are split. I, you know, it... If, if you ask me what this was, I read this less as a move of Warner trying to make back its money from the film uh, in theaters, you know, by, by trying to like, split the difference and have the best of both worlds. And really, it's just a very expensive advertisement for HBO Max at this point. You know, aside from Asa, where, you know, female super-led hero films haven't done as well comparatively, it feels that most markets where it could presumably open, right, like in Europe and, and, and North America, um, are going to be in lockdown for the next couple of months. So that week period of, you know, that one week period of being in theaters first internationally isn't really going to help. This is really about driving U.S. users to get HBO Max so they can watch Wonder Woman 1984 with their families on Christmas Day if they're not already watching Soul on Disney+. Um, 
so yeah, I think you know, and I, I think you know the fact that they were willing to give up the theatrical gross, uh, for to to the theaters in the in the theater exhibitor split, I think just kind of cements that opinion in my mind. So as far as long range forecasts go, I'm seeing people saying numbers at box office, like such as Box Office Pro, suggesting you know a five to fifteen million opening weekend uh, with. Total domestic numbers coming in, you know, over the, its run, about thirty to sixty million. Uh, no, no numbers that I've seen for for international numbers yet. Uh, I'm not sure whether I agree entirely with those. Um, Tenet just hit about fifty million domestically, and I had the benefit of both drive-in theaters, which did really well, um, which largely won't be open in the winter, and also being available only in theaters, right? Um, whereas Wonder Woman will, even though they have more people who want to see the film. More people also have the option to see it at home, uh, which Tenet did not have, and again, no drive-in theaters. Um, so you know, even if people are a little bit more okay with going to movie theaters, as you know, this weekend's box office numbers for The Croods, which opened, I believe, to um, I think it was uh, nine million, um, you know, for the three-day, right? Um, which I guess is in line with what box office people are saying for Wonder Woman. They're saying that uh, you know, the they're going to do the same as The Croods. Um, you know, I, I, I still see that more people will want to see Wonder Woman at home on Christmas Day as opposed to going to the theaters. Um, one fun record, though, uh, DC films uh, since Batman vs. Superman have opened lower and lower with each subsequent film. Uh, Batman vs. Superman had $166 million, uh, Suicide Squad $133 million, uh, The First Wonder Woman had $103 million, Justice League $93 million, uh, Aquaman $67 million, uh, Suzam $53 million, and then Birds of Prey this, last, uh, this year with $33 million in its opening weekend. Assuming this $5 to $15 million estimate uh, holds, um, you know, Wonder Woman is almost assuredly going to end up continuing that trend with making less than $33 million in its opening weekend. Though I would be surprised if that trend continues even lower after that. Um, anyway, with regard to China specifically, there is one source giving an estimate saying about maybe 75 million, uh, with a total take of about 150 million uh, in in China over its entire run. Uh, this is mostly due to it being one of the only major Hollywood blockbusters uh, in a year that's otherwise lacked those. Though, of course, we do have uh, Monster Hunter coming this weekend to China, um, and the first Wonder Woman film made about 90 million uh, in China. So you know, 75 million opening uh, could could do pretty well. So you know, it is also the only major title opening that weekend although you know that is also tempered the fact that you know coming out uh you know a week later on hbo max may you know impact some piracy concerns anyway that is the main headline for the week uh from before thanksgiving so let's run over the domestic numbers real quickly first we'll go over the weekend of november 20th to 22nd just the really high numbers. You know, I don't want to cover the old news too deeply. Um, we'll come back to headlines after I cover the Thanksgiving numbers as well. Um, you know, since you know, the, since the the Thanksgiving number, the Thanksgiving this past weekend's numbers um, is the other top story I want to cover this week. So, weekend of twenty November twentieth, the twenty second, first place, Freaky made one point two eight million per the average of 64 four percent drop. Uh, second place, The War with Grandpa in second in its seventh week made seven hundred forty seven. $7,000 per the average $443, 43% drop. And in third place, Let Him Go, in third week, dropping 59%, made $724,000 per the average of 380 
fourth place, come play, comes, uh, you know, Kane dropping 48% in its fourth week, made $562,000 per through the average of $412. And then in fifth place, Disney re-released the Santa Claus, making $461,000 in 1,581 theaters per through the average of $292. Um, honorable mentions, the Jackie Chan spy film that came out in, in China earlier this year, Vanguard, uh, opened at seventh place in 1,375 theaters, uh, $400,000 per through the average of 291. And then Tenet made another $360,000 in under 900 theaters for its 12th week total of 56.9 million domestically as of that weekend. Uh, overall, uh, total box office was $6 million uh, You know that weekend of the 20th to the 22nd, a sharp drop from the $11 million the week prior uh, with no new releases. Uh, in comparison, the year prior in 2019, we had Frozen 2 premiering at $130 million domestically alongside the Mr. Rogers picture A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood at $13 million, with total box office being $204 million um, that weekend last year. Uh, in fact, since Tenet premiered uh, at the beginning of September, uh, this is actually the lowest total, the lowest weekend total for the box office since the beginning of September when Tenet reopened. So, uh, not a great weekend for the box office. Um, I'm going to go ahead and skip the international market uh, for this weekend since I'll have more up-to-date numbers there in this past weekend's box office numbers. Um, so, anyway, moving to this past weekend. Speaking of, uh, looking at the three-day numbers, obviously because you know Thanksgiving is a long holiday, we're just looking at the three-day numbers. Um, and we have the following films at the top of the charts with the newcomer actually being the other top story this week. Um, at the top of the charts, newcomer The Crudes, A New Age, uh, the sequel to the 2013 animated film from DreamWorks Universal, overperformed expectations, making $9.7 million from Friday through Sunday over in 2,211 theaters per theater average of 4,398, which is really high, uh, one of the highest I've seen, obviously, since uh, the pandemic. Um, this is the highest, best opening weekend, including Tenet, um, you know, which opened at $9.35 in its first full weekend. Um, so this is the highest opening since March when theaters shut down. Uh, this also breaks a ceiling we've kind of seen of uh, films since Tenet opening about the $4 million range. Now, there are a couple of reasons why The Crudes is a bit of a variance here. Uh, families played a huge role in this. 81% of the audience was e were either a child or a parent bringing a child or children to the theaters. Um, this is significant because families had been avoiding um, you know, going to the theaters and were the most cautious about returning to the cinema. Um, estimates uh, for you know the crude uh, the new AIDS this past weekend prior to the weekend coming out where it would open in maybe in the six point seven million dollar range over the three day period so about a three million dollar overperformance. Uh, in addition, the film actually premiered on Wednesday, of course, to take advantage of the long holiday weekend. So including those numbers in there, we see a fourteen point two seven million lifetime opening domestically. Now, there's one oddity about this film, actually. Uh, so from Wednesday to Thursday, a.k.a. Wednesday to Thanksgiving Day proper, uh, we saw a 42% increase from $1.8 million on Wednesday to $2.7 million on Thursday. Uh, this runs contrary to the usual trend on Thanksgiving Day, where the box office will, uh, films will drop off um, as families you know, spend time at home with their loved ones who have traveled to, to see them. I am hypothesizing that due to fewer families traveling uh, to large gatherings, thankfully, uh, due to COVID, we instead saw parents turning to theaters as a way to entertain their kids. 
Um, as a comparison, in 2019, Frozen dropped 38% uh, from Wednesday to Thursday, and Knives Out, in its first weekend, dropped 27%. And then in 2018, uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet dropped 84%, uh, and then Dr. Seuss's The Grinch dropped 41% from Wednesday to Thursday. Now, there is positive word of mouth on the film, relatively speaking. It's about a 71% on Rotten Tomatoes and an A on Cinemascore, uh, the first real major, you know, wide release, uh, wide release film, I believe, to get an A cinema score since the pandemic reopened. Um, it bodes well for when it comes to VOD in a couple of weeks due to that deal the chains have with Universal. And this is all off of a $65 million budget, which is pretty cheap for an animated film nowadays, um, that of, of, at least for animated films of any appreciable quality. So that's pretty good for them overall. Uh, internationally, The Croods also led the Chinese box office, uh, taking in $19.2 million there, and had a 9.1 score on Maoyan, the rating site. And that is by far the largest market it's opened in to date, uh, with, of course, most of Europe being closed down. And so the international total of $20.8 million, combined with the about $14.7 million uh, you know, released so far, uh, uh, has us at about a 35 million uh, worldwide gross to date for the Crudes too, um, and it hasn't even been a week yet. Uh, the original Crudes in China uh, made 63.3 million uh, seven years ago in total. So that's the Crudes. Uh, in second place, uh, Freaky dropped 38% in its third weekend to make $799,000 in 1,735 theaters, per theater average of 461. Um, total domestic take so far is 7 million, with another 4.9 from overseas, bringing the lifetime total to just under $12 million. Uh, in third place, the Warward Grandpa in week eight made a $585,000, 22% drop. 1,500 theaters for a per theater average of $390 comes out to $17.2 million domestically, $5.9 million internationally. Lifetime total is $23.1 million. In fourth place, Let Him Go uh, made $453,000 in 1,447 theaters. 47 theaters for a per theater average of $363, a 37% drop. Uh, domestic total is $8.7 million, which is the lion's share of the $9.3 million lifetime earnings grossed worldwide. And then in fifth place, Come Play made $373,000 in, in 1,029 theaters, uh, a per theater average of three sixty-three, dollars and a gross dro uh, drop of uh, 34% versus last week. Domestic total, similar to Let Em Go, is $8.6 million out of $9.1 million worldwide. Now, for some honorable mentions, uh, Tenet uh, was able to get 300,000 uh, in now just under 650 theaters, um, definitely you know, dropping theaters every week. Um, you know, uh, per theater average is 457. Um, this is, I think, like a 19% drop, which is pretty good. Uh, domestic total is now at $57.4 million. Um, however, the real big news for Tenet is that it now sits at 306, $300.6 million US dollars internationally, crossing the $300 million mark, um, with lifetime gross worldwide being $358 million. Um, there are just over a dozen markets to go still. Most notably, India is opening this weekend on December 4th. But I think that'll be the last major update I gave on Tenet as far as, you know, its international uh, growth, unless something crazy happens. And of course, it wouldn't be the 2020 Q4 box office uh, without another random Disney re-release. Last week, as I noted, we had Santa Claus. Um, this week, Santa Claus dropped 63% to make $170,000 in just over 1,000 theaters. This week, Frozen, the first one, uh, made $120,000 uh, in 1,367 theaters, 
pretty dismal per theater average of $88 per theater. Um, not that it needs to help with its, you know, what, $400, $400 million lifetime in the domestic. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, thanks to the crude's overperformance, the gross box office for this week jumped from that $6 million last week to $13.5 million this week. Again, still way behind last year's $180 million, um, though an opposite move from last week. Last year, uh, prior, the prior week had made $204 million, so it was a decrease over the Thanksgiving holiday. This week, we are seeing an increase, in fact, over doubling. Um, though I guess if you don't have a lot, it's not that hard to double. Um, anyway, last week this year uh, was topped, as we noted, by Frozen 2, which is in its second week made $85 million, and then the debut of Knives Out made $26.7 million US dollars last year. Moving internationally, over the past two weeks, we've already mentioned The Crude topping China box office this past weekend. The weekend prior, the new film on the block was the Hong Kong film Caught in Time, making 30.3 million US dollars. Uh, disaster film Greenland also opened last week, uh, making a modest 3.2 million dollars. This coming weekend should be pretty big with Paul W.S. Anderson's Monster Hunter again debuting, uh, which I believe China is the primary market for that film. And the, re the release of Hollywood's The Invisible Man from earlier this year is also coming to China. Um, there's also going to be the 2019 CG remake of the Pokemon uh, Mewtwo Strikes Back movie that came out in 2019. So uh, we'll see how popular Pokemon is there. They're probably not more. I guess Monster Hunter and, and Pokemon is kind of the same thing, I guess. Uh, anyway, also worth noting, uh, My People, My Homeland, right, that, that patriotic film that opened during National Day in October, uh, tacked on a few more million dollars in its final weekend on the 20th uh, to sneak into second place for the global 2020 box office behind the fellow nationalist film, The 800. Uh, the 800, that's $472 million. Uh, Bad Boys for Life at number three is a $426 million. And My People, My Homeland came in at number two comes in at number two at 428.5 million US dollars. In China, the past two weekends have, oh, sorry, in Japan, my bad. In Japan, the last two weekends have been really good for the Demon Slayer movie. As of this past weekend, it has grossed 27.5 billion yen, or about 265 million US dollars, uh, in Japan. This surpasses James Cameron's Titanic, uh, Frozen, and Makoto Shinkai's Your Name uh, at 26.2, 25.5, and 25 billion yen, respectively. And so, Demon Slayer is now the second highest grossing film domestically in Japan of all time. Uh, again, 27.5 billion yen. The only one standing in its way to the number one spot is, of course, uh, my Hayao Miyazaki's Spirit of the Way at 30.8 billion yen, uh, which Demon Slayer is almost assuredly going to cross sometime next month or this coming month. Um, as far as worldwide gross, unfortunately, the usual sources, you know, box office mojo, the numbers, aren't quite as good at tracking international markets on a week-to-week -week basis. Um, so my best guess, based on what I've seen in the trades, uh, is that Demon Slayer, 265 million US dollars in Japan up to this point, Call it another 20-ish million uh, in other Asian markets, such as Taiwan and Hong Kong, over the past couple of weeks. Um, I'd ballpark Demon Slayer to be at the 285 million US dollar rate uh, range to date. Um, now, since my last episode, this actually brings it past the Chinese animated film Legends of Deification, which made $243 million to be the highest grossing animated film of the year. And again, this also pushes it past Doolittle at 250 million US dollars to be the sixth, and so now Demon Slayer is now the sixth highest grossing film of the year. Uh, next up in its sights is Sonic the Hedgehog at 319 million US dollars. Um, quite a bit of way to go, but 
it's possible. I, I would expect, you know, probably Sonic to be the ceiling. I don't know if it's going to get past uh, Tenet, at least within 2020. Who knows where the legs will go in 2021. Uh, as far as that being the highest grossing anime of all time, it still significantly trails Spirit of the Way at $355 million, uh, and Your Name at $358 million. So we likely won't see it get close until it opens in China. Uh, and then finally, one other record that Demon Slayer has broken. Here in the States, we don't track number of admittances to film since I don't think anyone tracks that. Um, and it's hard to back into that based on um, you know, the fact that, price, that ticket prices are different in different, different cities. Um, that being said, in Japan, they do track that number. And, now, and so Demon Slayer is now the second most attended film of all time in Japan. Again, trailing only behind Spirit of the Way. Spirit of the Way has 23.5 million admittances um, or 24.3 if you Include the re-releases, whereas Spirit, whereas uh, Demon Slayer is currently sitting at twenty point two million admits. So about another three point three million tickets need to be sold for it to overtake Spirit of the Way in that regard. Um, So yeah. Anyway, that is all the box office numbers specifically. Uh, there are a couple other headlines I wanted to get to aside from the one Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. So what else is there? Well. Uh, rumors have it that Netflix made an offer to Legendary Pictures, uh, the, the the producer, to buy up the latest installment of the MonsterVerse series, Godzilla vs. Kong, to the tune of $200 million U.S. dollars. That's a pretty substantial offer, uh, especially that's the, that's the reported budget of the film that Legendary paid. Now, there are rumors that Warner Brothers, who is handling domestic distribution for the film, uh, is attempting to block the potential sale and is instead planning on proposing a counteroffer to have Godzilla vs. Kong come out uh, on HBO Max instead. Uh, now that said, there is also the added wrinkle that Toho, uh, which who are the proper the owners of the Godzilla IP, uh, is pretty dead set on having the kaiju film come out on the big screen and not be premiered on PVOD or streaming. So we'll see over the next couple of weeks how this all pans out. Um, as of right now, um, I believe uh, Godzilla vs Kong is scheduled to come out uh, in early 2020. Uh, specifically May 21st, um, which I don't believe is a super crowded date. Uh, I guess you know May May seventh, two weeks before is Black Widow. Um, I think the I guess maybe the big concern is that the following week, May twenty eighth, uh, is going to be Fast and the Furious nine, um, which you know is is I guess a little bit tight for this kind of film um, since you know Fast nine is going to do bonkers. Um, so yeah, we'll see how Godzilla vs Kong pans out if it ends up going to Netflix or HBO Max or wherever. Um, as a big fan of the Big G, I'm definitely pulling for it to find a theatrical release at some point down the line. Not only to see him on the big screen, but hopefully so it can be financially successful so that the MonsterVerse can continue. Because you know, despite the bad rap that the films got, um, I still really do enjoy them. Uh, speaking of other director streaming releases, Amazon has set the release date of their Coming to America sequel, March 5th, 2021, um, off of the initial December release date. Uh, good move considering that they don't want to be competing against Wonder Woman 1984 or Soul on Christmas Day. Um, and then this past weekend, Run, uh, which is the film from the crew that brought you the John Cho social media thriller Searching a couple of years ago, uh, debuted to, be, to become Hulu's most watched movie Ever, not just you know of this of this week, but ever. Um, shout out to Sev Ohanian for hopping into the thread on our box office to chat about the behind the scenes of the film, uh, such as the fact that they sold many of the international rights of the film back when they thought they were going to get a theatrical release. 
And then finally, uh, one last streaming tidbit that's pretty fun. Uh, the Borat sequel, which I actually watched this past weekend for the first time, uh, according to Nielsen, played about 59 million times in the week of its release, uh, cracking into the Nielsen top 10 list of st online stream media. Now, that's a pretty big deal considering Nielsen doesn't track number of plays, but rather a total number of minutes streamed. Uh, and so long-running bingeable TV series such as Queen's Gambit or Enola Holmes uh, with multiple episodes have more minutes to be streamed and in a given binge session. So for a 96-minute movie to crack into that is no mean feat. For those curious, uh, compare that to Borat's. Uh, Borat had 570 minutes total compared to Mulan, who had 525 minutes in the first week of its release, uh, which again, not apples to apples. It was behind a paywall, and, and Mulan's also longer. Um, and you know, this week, the number one uh, film on Nielsen's chart was Sitch Creek uh, with uh, you know, one point, uh, over a billion minutes on Netflix, uh, followed by The Office, which will be leaving a Netflix end of this year reminder. And then finally, last bit of streaming news, not really news, more like rumors. Um, Disney is indicating apparently internally that Jungle Cruise, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and Riot the Last Dragon, as well as Pixar's Luca, are all still planning to come to theaters next year, as opposed to going straight to Disney Plus, um, given the you know restructuring of the of the organization there. Um, that said, the live action remakes of Pinocchio, Peter Pan, and Cruella are in talks to move to the streaming platform. And finally, just some quick hits. Uh, we already covered the Wonder Woman opening in China, uh, in Christmas. Sorry, Wonder Woman is opening Christmas Day in theaters here in the states and HBO Max. Uh, Monster Hunter is coming to China this weekend. That said, they are going to be classing uh, here in the states um, as Monster Hunter is coming to theaters. Uh, you know, on Christmas Day. Previously it was December thirtieth. I guess they figured that you know more people are going to see uh, Wonder Woman at home if they want to see it. So you know, might as well move up and try to take advantage of the Christmas holiday audience as some potential counter programming. Now, I also missed this last weekend, but since Warner Brothers and AMC are decimating theatrical windows left and right, it looks like Netflix is going to get in on the fun. Uh, last week, one week ahead of its November 25th release date, uh, the holiday film Christmas Chronicles 2, starring Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn, was allowed to screen in Cinemark Theaters. Um, this is a first because this is a Netflix film uh, to show in one of the big three chains, you know, Cinemark, Regal, or AMC. Um, I remember, you know, during the uh, Oscar um, showcases for Best Picture, um, you know, Marriage Story and The Irishman were not allowed to show in AMC theaters because, you know, even though it was one of the best pictures, there was still that long beef between uh, AMC and uh, Netflix over theatrical windows. It looks like theaters are more agreeable. So who knows? Maybe we might see more Netflix films coming to theater first before going to streaming. Uh, granted, this was in a limited market, uh, only three of them, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Dallas, but still quietly monumental. Uh, speaking of Regal, um, rumor is, you know, according to a post on the box office subreddit, uh, they're currently aiming former letters to the CEO to reopen in late March, probably trying to time it with when the vaccine will be more widely available. And then speaking of, uh, again, also speaking of, you know, the big three, uh, Cineworld, owner of Regal, uh, fueled, pulled some financial strings and they were able to get an additional $750 million in liquidity, um, including about $450 million in new debt instruments uh, to keep them running while they hope for the vaccine to come back. Um, now, as far as theater openings and closings, uh, 
uh, internationally, France is planning on reopening its theaters December 15th. Uh, in contrast, Germany is planning to keep its partial lockdown in place until December 20th. And in the UK, uh, theater chain Odeon is opening some, not all of its theaters, this weekend on the 4th. Uh, meanwhile, in Asia and Korea, uh, they are implementing a 100-person per uh, building, not per auditorium, per building uh, capacity as cases continue to spike there. And Wonder Woman 1984 is actually going to be coming on December 23rd as opposed to December 18th alongside Japan and uh, China, uh, again, because of rising cases there. Um, one cinema chain is getting creative uh, and is actually offering popcorn delivery service to give customers the feel of a uh, movie theater, uh, even if they're just watching Netflix at home. Hey, got to make that money somehow, right? Um, and then, you know, some corporate baseball, uh, Warner Brothers CFO, Pascal Desroches, uh, has been tapped to take over from AT&T's CFO, John Stephens, on April 1st next year. Uh, Stephens will be retiring after 28 years at uh, AT&T, and I believe nine is years as CFO of, of, of the company. Uh, no news on who will be replacing Desroches at Warner Media. Uh, Disney is also slated to let go of 32,000 employees in the first half of fiscal year 2021 due, pan- due to pandemic financial problems. Uh, best wishes to everyone involved. No news on which specific specific, specific departments are going to be affected. Uh, speaking of Disney, Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange uh, film uh, in the Multiverse of Madness has begun filming in London. Here's to seeing where that chapter of the MCU takes us. Um, of course, you know this is likely going to incur additional costs due to the COVID precautions. And one interesting tidbit uh, you know, that we got from an interview with Jason Blum of Blumhouse Films is that COVID PPA, PPE adds about 10 to 20 percent to a movie's production budget, uh, which could be an interesting number to look at. You know, when we're looking at the cost of films in the age of COVID. Um, now, that said, given that Bloomhouse films are usually in the $5 million range, um, that the actual number is, percentage number is a lot smaller, most likely, for larger blockbuster films um, who can, one, do things at scale, and two, have a larger budget, um, even if the absolute number is larger just because of more crew. So uh, we'll see you know, how, how budgets take out um, over time. And on that cheerful note, uh, that ends this extra jam-packed edition of the Box Office Watch podcast. Uh, Suit me for ideas for what I should cover via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Leave a review on your podcast service of choice or on podchaser.com, and that will be super helpful for us. Uh, I'll include those links in the show notes. Uh, numbers used in the show come from thenumbers.com where available um, our intro and outro music come from Kevin MacLeod you can find his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media until next time this has been the Box Office Watch Podcast and remember our watch goes on Music